everybody. Welcome to JD Power's Technology Support Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with JD Power, and with me today are Mark Miller, Greg Dickerson, and Mike Noeth. Mark, Greg, Mike, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. So today we're continuing the conversation around the around JD Power's uh, maturity model for technical support organizations. Uh, and again, the way we have this laid out is uh, that the stages of maturity ranging from crawl, which is which is no process, no planning, all the way to run, which is uh, best practices. Uh, and then we have um, broken this down into to four swim lanes or buckets. Uh, the one we're going to focus on today is the, the technology area. So uh, Mike and Greg, why don't we start here? Uh, how do we uh, what are the different elements of, of technology when it comes to technical support organizations and, and how we think about their maturity? Absolutely. Um, I think probably the best way to look at this is that every technical support organization has metrics. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that some of the, some of the organizations measure too many things. And the actuality is that, just because you can measure doesn't mean you should. The strongest organization have a robust, but yet a meaningful set of metrics, you know, which is if you want to look at it in a proper frame, it's the metrics that the customers are going to care about. Um, how quickly did you respond to my need? How quickly did you solve my problem? Things of that nature. And these things should also be set up so that as far as the organization is concerned, it's available to them in real time. They need to know what's going on, you know, in the moment, not what happened yesterday or, you know, uh, last week. And these are things that from that perspective, keeping that customer perspective in mind should be constantly reviewed and modified. So they maintain the relevance to the customer and to the organization that you're not measuring something just because you've always done that but you know in your current environment it, it really isn't meaningful to you um you know and the people behind it the people behind you know you have a bi team in place that's you know processes you know absolute uh tons of data um, do they really understand what they're doing or do they have a feel for what those numbers mean? Or are they simply crunching the numbers? Uh, you know, having an organization that looks at things from a smart metrics perspective and that has action plans to address uh, gaps that and not only address the gaps, but provide measurable and meaningful results uh, between what was targeted and what actually occurred. And, and the reason we start talking about metrics here in this technology section is because you think about all of the technology that is available in the organization. We've got the, the case management technology and the survey technology and the, the uh, escalation technology. And, and, and as Greg points out, all of, this, all of this lends itself to information that can be drawn so that we can, we can understand the health of the business. And, and, you know, one of the things that we like to see is when we get into our evaluations, we'll, we'll, we'll ask a client, 
show me your case management system and what information can you derive from it in terms of, of um, escalation times, length of calls, uh, how processes were implemented during that. Uh, when, you, when you're done with the case and there's a survey and that technology uh, cranks out a, a transactional survey, brings back some results, how is that all put together, as Greg mentions, from the, the team that's responsible to not only be able to report the score, but tell you why you got the score you got, and maybe even to recommend what you should do about it. So uh, from the standpoint of all the technology available, if you want to understand your case volumes from chat, for example, your, your web self-service uptake uh, from, uh, from the articles that you put out there, it, it's all based on having the right technology in place so you can understand your business. You know, Mike, one of the terms that we use in the framework is the word integration uh, when it comes to technology. So, so what, do we, what do we mean by that when we're looking at um, channel integration, um, limited integration, and omni-channel integration when it comes yeah. to best practice? Yeah, yeah I mean, we, 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 often, we often hear the term omni-channel used, but then when it's described, it really means multi-channel. So here, here's the difference is a multi-channel means just that. You can call me, you can email me, you can come through my website, my, my you know web portal, you can chat with me, you can go to communities, you can use uh, the knowledge base. Uh, but omni-channel is when those channels connect with one another. And again, that's through technology. So the example I often like to give is if we're chatting, because that's just a case that appears we could resolve it via live chat. And I'm chatting with the engineer. And of course, chat has a strategy around it. It's not intended to go all day. These are things that should be solved in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. If it becomes apparent that this, this issue is just too complex for that, and we need to bring it into uh, the broader case management system and maybe even uh, to another engineer because that's the way the organization is structured, that whole cha uh, chat transcript should be preserved so we don't have to go back and start at the beginning, which we know as customers is very frustrating. So, that's just one example where the technology being implemented or integrated rather would be uh, would it be an example of omnichannel. So, so Mark uh, Miller, you know, we're, we're talking about technology and, and that aspect of the framework and and that led immediately to a conversation about metrics and action plans and case management and, and omnichannel. Is that, is that a surprise? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the notion of technology, I mean, the difference is the notion of technology for technology's sake versus technology being purposeful. And that's where, you know, those KPIs come in. That's where applying technology for a great customer experience vis-a-vis -vis omnichannel is key. You know, we've got other categories here around, you know, you know, basic case management that by definition requires a lot of tech. You've got the people part of it, and it's the application of tech. And so in our framework here, that's where we're focusing in on, right? Regardless of where it's used uh, on, you know, people, process, or technology, technology is a integral part of all of those individual um, elements, so, um, in a sense, it's, it's uh, not a surprise that you would start with KPIs because the best companies are intentionally looking for technology to solve a problem and to meet a need or bridge a gap. And um, that's the notion that we're trying to get across here. Yeah, so it's really not 
necessarily about the technology. It's about how the technology is being used, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, so, so one of the elements of the technology um, uh, bucket in our framework is around workforce management. So, so Mike and Greg, where, where do we see workforce management today uh, with most companies, and and what does and, and what does best practices look like for workforce management? Yeah, I mean, one of the big challenges, it's kind of a simple question, but not an easy answer, is how do you know how many people you need to do this work and this this work being technical support? And so you peel into that a little bit more and it's like, how many people do you need by skill level, by product level knowledge per shift in what location, what time zone? You really get into some complexities here. Uh, And at the same time, and this was very prevalent uh, through the the, the COVID couple of years, um, we saw a lot of employee burnout. uh, Because even though employees were working from home, they were really working from home and and consequently didn't have the time or the opportunity to do other things which are also part of their job, like take training, work on their case backlog, things things that are also go into the how many people do you need question. So uh, the, the companies that do it best have a, have a, a pretty, a pretty uh, slick uh, system whereby all these things that go into the formula are, are then uh, connected to their learning management system via a skills matrix. So you can then answer the question or at least present to the customer the commitment that I'm going to make sure the right person with the right skills is available at the right time. And, and, and those that you know, are on the other side of that equation are still trying to, to, to figure out uh, why, they, why they have long hold times, why they have uh, dissatisfied customers who aren't getting what they need uh, when they need it. And, and um, the, the other thing I'll say about this is that uh, understanding what skills you need today isn't is necessary, but not sufficient. We also like to see companies looking a year and two and even three years out. What kind of skills are they going to need tomorrow? What's their workforce going to look like tomorrow? Hey, Mike, that's uh, an interesting point that you made in terms of skills and skill set and where it's going to be tomorrow. And wouldn't you say that that knowledge, which is enabled by good tech, um, then allows you to make better outsourcing strategy decisions, right? Like how we talked about in our last podcast around why is it that you're doing it? So much of that can be discovered in terms of tangible, real reasons with good ROI uh, as enabled by Great tech um, allowing to make good decisions within the workforce management framework, right? Yeah, for sure, Mark. And I would say a little bit more on that, that, you know, one of the things that that's predicated on is a really good, uh, and this is more this is more than technology now, it's a really good partnership between the, the tech support organization and product management and development. So to be looked at, we're on the same team. The more I understand about where your business is going, your roadmaps and so forth, the better I can plan for the future. And as you point out, you know, if I'm going to make a decision that that uh, I'm going to transition the support of my more mature products to an outsourcer, because that makes sense so that I can free up capacity of my of my direct workforce to take on new products. Yeah. The better information I have and the stronger my partnership with the product division, uh, the better. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I love it how, you know, linked to the LMS system. This gets back to our premise here that 
you do need good tech, but it's all in service of results, right? I mean, it's just not tech for tech's sake. I mean, I remember back in the day, especially in 2011, when natural language started coming on, um, this is more on the consumer side, but it's a good illustrative example about how people were getting on the bandwagon and trying to take advantage of very nascent tech to increase containment rate to absolutely horrific results. And uh, just being thoughtful about how you apply tech, not for the sake of trying to keep up with the Joneses, but it's what can we use and in what quantities and where, understanding a limited budget, um, that will actually yield the best results. And that's why it's so important that that KPI question and understanding what levers need to be moved is important when considering tech. Right. So, so just to, to, to wrap up uh, today's um, topic, I just want to hit on one more element uh, in the framework for technology, and that is around uh, disaster recovery and business continuity. So, um, Mike, Greg, how should technical support organizations be thinking about disaster recovery and business continuity? Uh, what did best practices look like and, and where do we see most companies today? Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got a, a disaster recovery plan and what we what we look for are real specifics around. Uh, of course, this is all about um, even when everyone was in the office, it was it was a transition in the business due to a, an unforeseen uh, uh, activity or an unforeseen uh, disaster from, say, one support center to another. Now that everybody is distributed and, and will be probably for quite some time to come, it's even more important. So we, we need to see what's, what's the failover plan. What if, what if this site literally is flooded? What if, what if, uh, what if a country uh, has a, a, a huge outage of their power? What are you going to do then to continue to support your customers and, and to, and to uh, ensure that, it, as we talked about earlier, it's not just some document that gets created and forgotten to ensure that it's actually lived by. We like to see both planned and unplanned tests, like surprises, you know, like like we used to be in school. We had a fire drill. That was a surprise. That ensures that the plan that's in place works, and we like to see uh, things along those lines as well. And it's vitally important that this disaster recovery plan includes your partners, your technology partners, as we just talked about, so that uh, if there's an issue between my technology and yours, that we've got a plan to address that as well. You know, you're absolutely right, Mike. Um, you know, an organization has to be prepared. I mean, the adverse conditions can come in so many forms today. And having proven plans, as you mentioned, testing, unannounced testing, um, making sure that every aspect of their, their systems are working and working correctly. With the you know, scattered workforce, making sure that connectivity um, is at the top is, is, is absolutely paramount. Well, Greg, Mike, that's, that's going to wrap it up uh, for today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Mark Miller, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Mike. And we also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining, and we'll see you next time.